So welcome back to the second part of my discussion with Mike Schulman of Slumberland Records. Uh, again, I was joined by a very special co-host, Glenn Donaldson of the Reds, Pinks, and Purples, who does record uh, for Slumberland as well as Tough Love Records. Uh, without spending too much time talking, we're just going to get right back into the second part, and I hope you enjoy it. <laughs> come back to uh talking a little bit about the label after this next song we're going to hear and i'm a little embarrassed um that i've <laughs> i'm actually i'm really embarrassed talking to you guys about this but that i just i just discovered in the last two months the pains of being pure at heart and I, yeah i guess i'm the guy living under the rock this time um mm -hmm. so i was i was driving down to third man in detroit i, I live about a half hour north and i said you know what I, i'm i'm gonna check these guys out it was kind of like I think Mike, you and I just started talking about talking about doing this and I was going through the catalog and I'm just like, there's a lot of releases here. And then I started looking to what Kip was doing and then I stumbled on, you know, his current project. And then I just, I fell in love. So I wanted to add uh, a song that I'm sure everybody else heard before me, uh, because I just heard it a couple months ago. And this is young adult friction by the pains of being pure at heart.
And that's a true story, by the way. <laughs> I mean, that's got to be a record, too, that I think a lot of people would think of as being kind of quintessentially Slumberland. Yeah, um, yeah I would I, agree. I think of it. I think of it that way as well. I mean, that was. Is any pop like cicadas? Does it is it reappear every say seven years? <laughs> it's it, like there's there was like the Eiler set wave, and then there was uh-huh. like the Pains wave, and probably the current San Francisco time. Yeah, it's like this. It is kind of like that, isn't it? And it's funny because um, in the mid two thousands, I kind of I didn't put out any new records for a couple of years. Um, I was uh, doing a software job and kind of trying to teach myself how to do it. And it was extremely time consuming. And I just kind of, the, most of the bands that I had been working with broke up. Um, there just wasn't a lot of new stuff that I was hearing that was like, oh, the, I have to put this out. And I was really busy with work. And um, like around 2007, I started hearing about this scene in Brooklyn. And somebody said, you know, there's all these bands in Brooklyn that sound like Black Tambourine. And and I <laughs> and I said, I doubt there's even one band that sounds like Black Tambourine. <laughs> I just can't, I don't, I don't find that feasible. Um, and this was back, you know, the MySpace days. And uh, I think maybe, and I, so I, I got the label on MySpace like around 2007 and um, we were going to put out this, uh, this record by this band crab apples that I had been in. And um, it was going to be the first slumberland record in a while. And uh, I think maybe the pains reached out to me on, on MySpace, and they said, Oh, you know, we're big, we're big fans of slumberland and black tambourine. You should check us out you know, please check us out. And um, I listened to it. And I was like, Oh, my God, this is really good. Um, and we were setting up a, a tour for the this band, The Lodger, whose records I was going to put out. Um, they were an English band from Leeds that I liked a lot. And um, so we got the pains uh, on the New York show. And uh, I thought, Oh, man, it's gonna be so cool to see these kids. I bet it's gonna be really good. And it just literally blew me away. I and mean, it was just incredible. And, you know, it was kind of that that feeling of hearing the music that you like, like played as well as anybody could do it. And just bringing like this incredibly like infectious energy to it. And these songs were all so good. Like every song was just perfect. And it was just so exciting. Um, and, uh, you know, I've kind of looked at all their friends on my space and, you know, back then you would have like your top 10 that you would put on the, on the, like the right side of your page. And they had like crystal stilts. And I don't even remember who all else caused commotion. And it just kind of got me into hearing all of those bands. And I don't think any of them sounded like black tambourine, Not but it was so just, it was just kind of funny that, but a lot of them, you know, were kind of explicitly said, you know, were influenced by like early Slumberland and Black Tambourine. I was just like cicadas, you know, like oh my god, it's coming back around. That's such a <laughs> that's such a weird thing. And I like, how did this even happen? It just seemed, and it, you're right, it was kind of a seven year thing from like 1989 roughly to like Eiler set time to 2007. Um, and it was just, uh, I don't know, it was just really interesting to to kind of feel like your past was somebody else's present in some, right. you know, in, in some way. Um, and no. of course, you know, it's it's cycled through a bunch, a couple of times since then as well. So, you know, I, I'm going to hold this up, but nobody obviously listening will see this, but this happens to be on the turntable right now. Hey. 
it's iconic. <laughs> yeah, it really is. And it's, it's iconic. I feel like that. I, I feel like that sleeve. Yeah. Really helped sell it. Like something about that oh, totally. sleeve was like really striking. It, it was a very traditional, almost indie pop looking thing, but also just like perfectly executed. Yeah. It's, it's amazing. I mean, Kip is really good at that kind of stuff, you know, like he, he totally understands like the importance of the details, you know, and that's, that's kind of, it sort of goes back to um, like an interest that, that a bunch of us have always had just like in like youth subculture, like mod or punk or whatever, you know, and the importance of, of the details, you know, like in, with something like mod or power pop, like the detail is, is crucial. And um, indie pop is the same way. And I think Kip is somebody who like is such a scholar of it or a student of it or something like he just understands that you're kind of intuitively like how important it is. That leads me to a good question that I'll throw in here. Um, what's what are a couple of your favorite sleeves, Slumberland sleeves? Well, the pains one for sure. Um, I it's great I, for all the reasons we just said. I mean, it's just completely iconic. Um, I feel like the uh, the Henry's dress records, like kind of both of them, really the ten inch and the LP, uh, for me are just kind of kind of perfect. Really, um, the Ropers album. I think is like a particularly well-dressed record. Um, the reds, pinks and purples records, I think look awfully nice. <laughs> I just say they're okay, but whatever. I, I mean, I don't want to talk about it too much because Glenn's on here, but uh, <laughs> I do, I do think that there is something really iconic about the, it's like, they're simple without being simplistic, you know, and they're, um, and they're, you know, obviously they're thematic without all looking the same. And there's yep. just something really, to me, iconic about it. Like, I feel like people are going to be picking those records up in 20 years and being like, yeah, you know, yeah. like, holy shit, that's really cool. Yeah. And, 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 and not to, not to uh, make Glenn's head so large, he can't fit out of his uh, <laughs> I don't, bedroom. I'm not fitting on the Zoom anymore. <laughs> um, Eclipsing um, the camera. Yeah, there's, there's, and I'll echo what Mike said. I think there's a, a, a timelessness about the images. So, you know, some of some of the early I mean, we all know that there was a, an aesthetic in that late 80s, early 90s. You can look at something and kind of get a feel that it came out then. But when I look at at, at Glenn's, I mean, obviously there's no text on the covers and, you know, the pictures could have been taken in the 60s. They could have been taken in the 80s. Like it, it's it kind of has this timeless feel if you just maybe see it in the record store. Yeah. And, you know, it's funny. Uh, the cover of Uncommon Weather, I just no, I don't want to make this about me, but um <laughs> I've had like a, a lot of different people be like, oh, that must be my hometown. Like somehow it's also weirdly universal. Like, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. like someone said, oh, is this, oh, is this Dunedin in the 1980s? Or is this, <laughs> uh, is this the college town I lived in or whatever? It just like reminds them of, of, of a, some place they once knew. Yep. Yep. I feel like that could be like a capsule, like review of the album, you know, or like some kind of synopsis, you know, that you, it, with his sister Eden eighties, is this my hometown? <laughs> yeah, and, and I and I, I kind of had that too because I think I we're gonna we're gonna change our attention to Glenn for a second. <laughs> um, so I, I think it was Beth Arzi who posted on her on her Instagram like about one of your early releases, Glenn, and she was like, "Got to hear this" or something like that. And I, and, and of course, I listened to it and it it just like it like captured me. And then once I started getting into the aesthetic of it, I was just getting more and more into just I couldn't wait till the next, 
you know, single came out or, or an LP or whatever, because it was obviously about the music, but also, you know, how did the, how did the artwork, like, where's it going next? I, I don't know. That's, I guess, something I, I enjoyed. Yeah, I've had a few people say they've come and visited the neighborhood and people have sent me pictures of themselves standing in front of <laughs> some of the buildings. <laughs> More than one person. Yeah, it's kind of cool. Be, be yeah, worried it's if a, it's your apartment, though. I know. <laughs> yeah. I, you know, I do have a great picture of my own apartment building, but I'm afraid to put it on a record. Yeah. Um, yeah. <laughs> I, I don't want that one. <laughs> I, don't want, I don't want people camped out front and, you know. <laughs> Hiding in the garbage can. Um. So, you know, running a label isn't easy like we talked about. And, and when I spoke with Matt, um, I kind of asked him, you know, what, what's the goal? I mean, what are you trying to do by, by, by spending this time and this energy um, to get, you know, to, to produce the records and, 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 co- and nurture the bands and all that kind of stuff? Um, he kind of said he did it because he felt that the bands and, and the artists that he released deserve to be heard and they deserve to be uh, exposed, I guess. Is what's your goal? Is there a goal? <laughs> um, I mean, that is certainly like part of the goal. Yeah, and I, I do feel like all of all of these records like, desperately need to be heard. Um, I, you know, my goal has always been like to help bands. You know, like, am I helping the bands? And that was one of the reasons I kind of took a hiatus as well in in the early 2000s because I wasn't totally convinced at that at that moment that I was really helping the bands. I kind of felt like maybe the bands are better off like finding a bigger label or more of a full time label or a label with you know more resources. Um, and uh, yeah, maybe that's still the case. Really, I don't know. <laughs> but uh, yeah, to me, that's always like a real benchmark. I mean, it's it's all well and good for me to like try to tell my story and, and, you know, illustrate my, my own personal aesthetic with these records and everything, but it's kind of pointless if nobody can hear the the music, you know, and, and it is, I don't do it just to gratify myself. Although uh, I'd be lying if I didn't say that was part of the the motivation. Um, But as long as I feel like I'm helping the bands and I'm helping bands get heard and, and, you know, helping them reach whatever their goal is, you know, like maybe their goal is just to put out one record and play some shows and, you know, kind of document their moment the way we felt like we were doing when we started the label. Maybe they want, there's a band who wants to tour and put out a bunch of records, you know, I'm, I I can try to help them do that as well. Mm -hmm. Um, It sounds like the same goal. Yeah. I mean, it's, 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 it's aesthetic, but it's utilitarian as well. You know, I, I want to, I want to fulfill like that utilitarian need for the bands to like have the records out, hopefully get them at the shops or get them up on Bandcamp, fill the orders, get them out on time, you know, like do, do that stuff too. Not just, not just pick through my record collection and be like, Oh, I want to put out like a noise record now and put out a pop record or whatever, you know, I want it to be, like have actual utility for the bands too. Um, yeah. So so that, that, oh, sorry. Go ahead. You go, you go, go ahead. Oh, uh, which made me think of a question. Like, so what's more exciting for you, a band that's like blows up or just a band that exists and made like a sort of classic record. Mm. Do, do you like the, like the excitement? 
yes. <laughs> well, <laughs> it, it is exciting. You know, I mean, it's it's impossible for me to, again, to go back to the pains, to look back on that experience. And I'm still excited about it. The You know, they were on television. You know, they toured. They went to all these places. Their record came out, like, in the Philippines and Japan and Indonesia. And, you know, it was like that level of, of, you know, blowing up is, is so exciting. And I think that's what they wanted, you know, like it wasn't like something that was imposed upon them. It wasn't, I wasn't trying to do it to them or for them. It just kind of happened. It was really organic. And um, like, that makes it really exciting. Uh, you know, I, I feel like that's one of the thing people don't understand about music is the music biz. It's like, I mean, there are some things that are sort of hyped, but like the music just has to like survive on its own. It has yeah, to swim. Yeah, it, it really and does. To... And yeah, it, like people have to want to buy a record. You know, you can't force them to buy a record or go to a show or stream something on Spotify or whatever. You can buy some level of exposure for bands if you're a big label um, and maybe help facilitate that. But if the music doesn't connect with people, it, it's just not going to happen. Um and I'm, I'm still convinced of that, you know, like I think about, you know, people talk about the pitchfork effect or whatever. And like, ultimately, I just don't think it works unless people still want to hear the music. I mean, right. it can be a multiplier, you know, for sure. And um, like a bigger label with a lot of money can multiply a lot, <laughs> you know, and, and that can be really helpful. But ultimately, the records have to stand on their own. And um you know, that's why there is that satisfaction in putting, like Glenn said, like having the record that just comes out and it's kind of a secret, it's part of the catalog. And maybe everybody doesn't know, I don't know, that Echo Lake album that I put out. And, but it's amazing, you know, and, and we're the Procedure Club, or, you know, to think of a few other examples. And I just know that there are going to be people who are going to find those records and they're going to be blown away and maybe they'll want to start a band because of it, or, you know, they'll tell all their friends about it. And like, that is really cool too. That to me, that's just about as cool as being on David Letterman. Although that was pretty, pretty flipping cool. <laughs> we need like, we need uh, you to have a, give us a top five, not right now, but you could do a top five sort of underrated Slumberland releases. So Ooh, people yeah. Like, it would be like a good. top 20, really. You know, I, yeah, I feel like there's 20, a lot. Yeah. I feel like there's a lot, you know, and it, like partially just because I love them all, you know, and I feel like every record should be like as well known as the Payne's album or Veronica Falls because they're all great. Um, and even, you know, weird records are great. You know, like everyone should know those hood albums I put out, like they're, they're terrific. Um, we're actually going to reissue those in next year. So people will get a chance to hear them again. Um, but uh, yeah, I mean, under the, the concept of underrated is just such a weird thing. You know, it's like, I feel like I Hood has kind of come back a bit. Like, I feel like people are noticing them. Really? Good. Or like, I feel, I feel, <laughs> Perfect I just feel like the, I, well, I mean, not in a huge way, maybe, yeah. but, but I feel like that that kind of avant sound is kind of making more sense now for people. Yeah, that's cool. Um, and that, you know, they're such an interesting band and they're a band that they're, you know, took such an interesting sonic journey. Um, their records 
like their last record couldn't be any more different from their first record um and i you know i would love for people to be able to hear the whole the whole story more readily so this this whole this whole line of discussion again leads to my next question perfectly um you know looking through the catalog you know there was there was some in there that i was a little surprised about um having kind of been mia myself personally for some years but i mean you've you've released some some artists who have gone on to quite a bit of success i mean we talked about the pains um velocity girl was as hot as hot could be um back in that time um you know there was a stereo lab or two in there so i mean you've got you've got some 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 big artists over the years you know i guess and this is maybe going back to glenn's question but i, I would love to see the top 20 but i i guess i'm going to kind of pin you down and say can you give me the one maybe that you felt um deserved the bigger audience and just for some reason just didn't and and you just maybe don't understand why um yeah i probably the big troubles album that i put out um romantic comedy mm -hmm, mm -hmm. like to me it's kind of a perfect like noisy pop record um it's like it sounds amazing the songs are amazing like the sequence of it, the flow of the album is is really great. Like just to listen to it straight through is is a really cool like kind of pace and experience. Um, and man, I people just I don't know. I don't I I will never understand like why that record was not better known and is still not better known. Um, they had put out a previous album that was like much more lo-fi and kind of produced by mitch easter also Ooh. yes it produced by mitch easter and he did an amazing job um and you know i had i had liked their previous album on old english spelling bee and it was like a pretty cool like lo-fi record with just you know some kind of like weird experimental noisy stuff some pop songs thrown in there you know super like homemade sounding and when they sent me some demos for their new songs and they were just these really incredible like almost you know like boo radley's like kind of pop songs um and they said you know i think we're gonna make this record and we've been talking to mitch easter about producing it and we're gonna do it you know much more it's gonna be bigger sounding and cleaner and you know what do you think are you into it and i, I said sure yeah i'll put that out that sounds amazing that sounds like something i would totally like and when they sent me the recordings, I just, I couldn't believe how good it was. And uh, maybe it was just because it was so different from their previous record. Um, I don't really know. I don't know why it didn't, didn't connect with, with people the way I feel like it should have. The reviews that it got at the time were absolutely savage. Really? <laughs> and there were some really comical reviews that were really like savage about Slumberland. You know, there was one, review where they said that we were like soviet russia and <laughs> like we forced the bands like into the gulag of like polished pop I music love that. I love yeah that. it was really funny i wish i wish i had kept it um, well that was the height of like really terrible sounding lo-fi records so. yes it really was so and it was the the same person like a couple years later it was probably over lo-fi so yeah but it was just funny how people were like I get that. And I've gotten this before uh, that, you know, I ruined this band or that band by making them do the, you know, such oh, and geez. such to their music. And it always makes me laugh because 
I am probably the and you're like I'm the con- most hands off. I'm the like, most hands off. Yeah, like I literally don't offer <laughs> much opinion at all. No, I don't. I, I really try to let bands just do what they want to do, unless you know there's like the cover art is really horrible, or you know, if if the, unless things are gratuitously off, like I just let the bands do what they want to do, and it, it always it just amuses me to no end to have people be like oh slumberland ruined this band <laughs> you know I'm like, well sure. you know that brings me to another question or comment about slumberland stuff that i like um a thread is that like this album those guys actually had this vision for like a bigger pop sound and you you'll kind of embrace that when that's not necessarily the trendy thing to do um but i like that about what I like when independent or underground bands really reach for it and try to do something that's ambitious. And I feel like you'll, you'll put that record out, which is nice. Yeah. I mean, I, I love it when bands want to do that, you know, and I just think it's like, why not, why not try something different? You know, you can, why does a band have to only do one thing, you know, and yep. I've, I've never really understood that. I mean, within reason, sure. <laughs> you know, when, 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 you know, when everybody was making like indie Tronica records, I was a little bit like, well, you know, like maybe stay in your lane a little bit. <laughs> but uh, you mean I can't do a trip hop record? No, I'm sure I got one queued up. You know, Glenn and I are working on it actually, uh, coast to coast here right now. Yeah, I mean, not you know, not to make too big a point out of that, but it's just, I, you know, it does surprise me. I think sometimes how unwilling people are to like let bands do what they want to do and, yeah. and you know kind of see it as some kind of subterfuge on the part of the label or something <laughs> like you're sitting in the studio with them right <laughs> Twir- twir- twirling the knobs right. myself <laughs> while twiddling fair, my mustache and... i've worked with a lot of labels and to be fair some labels will kind of give you some bad advice and try to like you know tell you to do things that don't quite suit what you're about and yeah. it's obvious when it, when those things just don't work yeah I, I mean i don't doubt it and i don't doubt that that happens like kind of even at my level of things you know labels that are you know kind of our size or just a little bit bigger it's not just major labels who would have you know try to have that kind of impact yeah um so we're gonna take a small break here guys this has been an, a fantastic discussion uh for those of you that Maybe your uh, your podcast got a little jacked up. Uh, I've got Glenn Donaldson from the Reds, Pinks, and Purples co-hosting with me today, doing a fantastic job. I'm getting a little worried about my job over here. And uh, we are speaking with Mike from Slumberland, and we're really talking all things Slumberland. And it's just it's been a pleasure to, to kind of peek behind the curtain on this one. Um, we're going to go ahead and hear from another Slumberland band. Um, you may or may not have heard of the Reds, Pinks, and Purples. Um I don't know if Glenn, our, our current uh, co-host, is familiar with their work at all, but we're going to go ahead and give uh, one, of, one of his tracks a listen, and that is Pour the Light In. Oh 
never heard this this is awesome <laughs> all right we just heard pour the light in by the reds pinks and purples uh i don't know i think the guy's all right but whatever <laughs> well the music's all right anyway 
Yeah, the music's good. No, the music's good. I just don't know about the guy. Yeah. <laughs> um, don't start any rumors now. Right. right. <laughs> uh, you know, we, we've kind of been talking about, I mean, what I would consider at least, you know, my Slumberland and my personal musical journey have, have kind of run about the same amount of time based on my age. And, um, you know, that, that's a long time to, to be doing what, what Mike's been doing at the level that I believe he's been doing it at, which has been fantastic. Um, obviously from let's say the mid to late eighties to today, um, the music industry, we'll put that in quotation marks is, um, obviously looks 100% different than it did then. And probably 80% different than it did five years ago. What do you think your secret has been? Um, to, to kind of staying, staying relevant, staying current. I mean, just putting out records that people want to hear. Um, well, I, you know, I think partly it's just chance really just kind of dumb luck. <laughs> luck? <laughs> well, it, you know, as Glenn alluded to earlier that, you know, there's this kind of like a cycle of, of interest and, in, you know, kind of interesting indie independent pop records. Um, I don't even really want to call it indie pop, but just pop records, uh, that, you know, kind of comes back around. And, you know, I think we've been really fortunate that we've put some records out that, you know, I feel like are, are kind of an important part of that lineage. So when it comes back around, people will look, can look back and be like, oh my God, the Eilers set were on Slumberland, mm -hmm. you know, Stereolab were on Slumberland, the Ropers were on Slumberland. And um, it kind of helps us, I, I, you know, it helps us find the new bands or helps the new bands find us and, yeah. you know, kind of keeps us in the conversation uh, a little bit. Right. And, uh, you know, honestly, like, I'm just really stubborn. You know, it's been 33 years <laughs> almost. And I s sort of, you know, I'm, I'm just stubborn about it. Like, I just kind of, like we were talking about earlier, you know, I feel like if I'm still able to help the bands, and it's a value to them to have, you know, me working with them and putting records out. If it's still fun for me, um, if I still feel like the, you know, the records are, are continuing the story in an interesting way. And we're not just, you know, repeating ourselves, like I'll keep doing it. I'll do it till I'm 80. I'll do it till I'm a hundred. You know, I, I just, it, I don't, I don't see a reason to stop doing it. Um, my wife might feel differently. <laughs> uh, you know, it's, it's definitely, I've, we had our 30th birthday a couple years ago and it definitely got me, you know, kind of thinking a little bit about how long it's been and how, um, like I've spent my, almost my entire adult life doing it. And it was, I, I have to say a little unsettling <laughs> to think about that <laughs> and a little odd and, you know, it, that's just how it is. I mean, I can't, you know, I wouldn't want to do it any, any different way, but uh, you know, I've kind of like, Oh, this is what I do. You know, it, this is like my art project or, you know, my cultural project that I've, that, you know, I sort of fell into, but by choice I've continued it. And it's, I don't, it's weird because I, I don't, I don't make the label about me. You know, I've never thought about, like trying to kind of foreground myself as like, I'm Mike Slumberland, like, check me out, check out my records. Like I don't right. DJ as Mike Slumberland, you know, I don't, I try and I try to kind of be in the background. Um, but it's, you know, it is kind of my life <laughs> in a weird way. 
Well, I feel like uh, as sad well, as that sounds, <laughs> made me think of something like like the show that we all did in Seattle, um, Paper Cuts, Umbrellas, Reds, Pinks, and Purples, and then the Softies um, did a guest spot, mm-hmm. and that just kind of perfectly encapsulates like you have like the Umbrellas, which are pretty young band, and then you have me and Paper Cuts, which are kind of middle age, <laughs> and uh, you know um softies which you know represent a different era slumberland and it just all fits really well and yet people aren't aren't doing rehash they're kind of just they're they're referencing this kind of classic pop sound and then kind of doing their own versions of it because all the bands were different it's totally Um, different yeah but it's in yeah and i you know it like i believe in pop music you know and i believe in in like the that I believe that it is, you know, like multitudinous. Like I, you know, I feel like there's like an infinite different number of ways that you can that you can do it. That you can write a pop song, that you can sing a pop song, and you know, I sort of feel like that the label has kind of been, you know, kind of a, a tribute to that or an illustration of that. And that, yeah, and that show was really like fabulous in that way. You know, the the, the cross generational nature of it, and um, you know, like. A bunch of our kids were there which was just crazy you know like it, it's just it's the longevity of it is, is kind of dazzles me a little bit and i look back and you know the the slumberland one is further in the past than like chuck berry was from me when i started playing music you know and it, wow. that and it's just kind of crazy to think about how like just how long it's been and you know i'm I guess I'm just really happy that that people are still interested in hearing like what we're doing and that there are still bands that I love enough to, to want to put the records out. Um, It's, it's exciting. I mean, I'll speak for myself on this one because, you know, again, I, I was, I was probably, I don't know, 19, 18, 17 when, when I started kind of stumbling on your releases and things like that. And it definitely had an impact on, myself and the band that I played in. Um, I, I played with Mario and Rose from Shoestrings. And um, I mean, without Slumberland, I don't know that, that I would have ever ended up with, I guess, the interest in actually playing versus listening and just being a fan. So I can speak for myself that it had that influence on me, frankly. So thank you. Oh, that's awesome. I mean, yeah. that's that's the goal, really, yeah. is for people to feel the way feel about our records, the way I felt about the records that I was into when we started, you know, where I was just, I was so inspired that I wanted to start playing music. I wanted to start a label. You know, I, I couldn't have done it, you know, without those records, obviously. Yeah, Yeah, for sure. Uh, We're, we're, we're getting close to wrapping up here. Um, This has been a great conversation with Mike and, uh, and Glenn uh, just really, really just helping give a really cool perspective on the label being on the label being uh from that that part of the country where slumberland is currently headquartered um i guess you know we've done a lot of looking back here and this is kind of my last i guess of my looking back questions my last question is more of a forward-looking one but you know looking back over all these years i mean you've got you've got 30 plus years with 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 the label and the bands and everything um is there anything that that you regret in terms of looking back and saying, I wish I would have done this or I could have done that, or are there any regrets? Um, 
that I started the label again in 2007. <laughs> no, just kidding. I, I although it, at some point I just think, oh God, like it's been so much work. Like maybe yeah. I should have stopped then, quit while you're ahead. Um, uh, no, actually, I don't have any regrets at all. Um, you know, I, I've had a few opportunities to maybe like do something a little bit bigger with the label and, and just decided that that wasn't really right for me. Um, I've had opportunities where I could just have stopped it all together and decided that wasn't right for me either. Um, you know, I, the, sure, there's always things that you would do differently or, or, you know, whatever, but I, honestly, like, I don't have a single regret about it. Um, when, you hear this song, when you hear the song of the cicadas, you have to reemerge. Exactly. And, <laughs> exactly. And help, help move it forward. <laughs> that's your job. That's right. <laughs> your other job. Um, no, and that and that's a fair answer. I mean, it sounds like almost you know, and I'm listening obviously as a fan and and you know from an outsider, um, but that you know some of those those types of things you were faced with, and and I'm guessing that, and this is just me guessing. I know nothing, but you know there may have been some other you know major label interest trying to you know suck you in or whatever. But you know those those may have been the potential regrets that you know looking back you made the right decision for you. Uh, thereby really avoiding that regret and and so I mean that that's really good because I mean you as you know I mean you've worked with so many artists and and I'm sure there's been so many decisions that were made along the way that you know there there, there could have been some that that would have changed the trajectory of the label and and looking back on it now in 2022 you're like no I mean I I don't really have anything like that and so I and that that's a testament to you and I guess kind of your vision of 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 what the label should be so yeah uh, and it's, it's partially just like my personality is is like that i'm just not a, like a regretful person really yeah um i just i i'm into looking forwards you know and and always looking ahead and i just don't like the past is a weird place you know i don't need to visit it that often i was there already <laughs> right right which actually leads me to my final question glenn do you have anything you'd like to ask before i ask my my final one Oh, I get the second to last. Uh, let's see. No, you can uh, have the last one too if you want. <laughs> uh, I can't think of one right now. Um, you go. Okay. If I think of something, I'll wake at it. Yeah, yeah. You can, and you can have the last one, and and that's no problem. I'll be okay with that. <laughs> um, you know, and and and, it, and it actually, my question again leads to kind of off what Mike was just talking about about not being, you know, backward facing and and kind of looking in the past. He was already there. Um, you know, I, I am going to have you look a little bit back in order to answer the looking forward piece here, but you know, it, I'm not sure if this even makes sense the way I want to ask it. Um, you know, I, I'll just read, I'll read what I wrote. Usually whenever <laughs> I can't, I can't figure out how to phrase it. I'm just going to do that. So did you think in 1989 and, and in those really, really early years that you'd still be releasing records <laughs> in 2022 and that you'd have over 300 releases in the catalog? That's kind of one half of it. And then the other half of it, which is the future versus the past, could you share your perspective on the future of, of the label, of the scene, of the bands that you like to release? Well, um, the first answer is no. <laughs> Definitely uh, <laughs> hard no. I, I never would have foreseen. I, I couldn't even foreseen that I'd be doing it five years later, you know, let alone 30 plus. Um, mm. You know, at 
as we were talking about, you know, the original plan was just to do this comp and then have each, each band do a record. And then that, maybe that was going to be it. Like we just didn't really have a plan. Right. Um, it was the plan of no plan, which is sort of <laughs> still my, op, you know, my <laughs> modus <mantra>. operandi. Yeah. <laughs> I am the plan of no plan. Um, and try not to go broke, you know? Um, right. Yeah. And, I, and I guess looking, looking forward, because, you know, you, you did mention that, that you don't, you don't look back very much. You were already there. I think that was really well said. When you look, when you look forward, I mean, what do you see for the label? What do you see for maybe the, the acts on the label? Look, just, it's your chance to kind of share that. Cause I'd love to hear. Um, well, you know, I think we're in like this kind of fortunate time when the cicadas are buzzing really. Yep. And, you know, people are kind of paying attention to, um, the kind of music that we're putting out and they're specifically paying attention to some of the bands on the label and some of our friends from around here who, you know, uh, some the bands we're friends with, you know, April Magazine and Flower Town and uh, all the, Cindy, all these amazing groups in the Bay Area right now. And um, I know that it will not last, that eventually the cicadas will stop buzzing <laughs> and, you know, things will go back to being, you know, kind of more the way they always are, where, we play for our friends and we make music for each other and, um, you know, we nurture our community and, uh, but I, you know, I feel like while people are watching and paying attention, like let's do some stuff, you know, I yep. think it's cool. Like let's put out a bunch of records. Like let's see if the bands can go over to Europe to play, you know, like the umbrellas are going over and okay. our friends Seablight are going over and Artsick are going over and, you know, they're all going to play in Glasgow. It's just like this incredible thing, you know, that, that we're playing somewhere where so many great bands have come from. And, um, sure. you know, I think that this moment is just, it's kind of exciting and I'm, I'm so excited for the bands. I can't even tell you, like, I'm, I'm going to go over to England just so I can see them play in, in front of these, these crowds and to see them have this experience like it's so i'm so excited for them that that this is happening and uh you know i think that's just it's always the goal going forward is like try to like try to have fun with it try to kind of like maybe like may hate make hay while the sun shines when when things are going well and people are paying attention don't get too down when people aren't <laughs> don't you know, don't get too high, don't get too low, I guess, is what it comes down to. And, um, you know, as long as, like, I somebody's making good music that I'm into and and I can put it out, like, I'm just going to keep doing that. Um, and yeah. as long as I feel like it's helpful to them for me to do it, helpful to, to the bands, then, you know, Slumberland soldiers on. Well, I'll, I'll, I'll speak for a fan. Uh, don't Don't stop. And I know it's easy for me to say because, you know, I don't have to chase down pressing plants and, you know, screw around with artwork. But, you know, I really, I appreciate what you do. I think there's, you know, I mean, there's tons of people out there that appreciate what you do. And, um, you know, I, I, I just, I want more. And I guess that's, that's Thanks, from Brian. a fan. It, yeah. From a fan. I mean, I may know it intellectually, but it's always nice to hear it. <laughs> oh, for sure. No, I, I truly mean it. You know, I, I, and I, and one thing that, that personally for me, because of the breadth of the catalog, it's really kind of opened up like this, this time capsule that I can go back and like the pains album. I mean, that was one where, I mean, that thing's a gem and I mean, they were as big as, as could be. And I didn't even know I was too busy raising kids and doing that thing. So um, just please keep making history. You know what I mean? Keep making 
keep supporting those bands and, and you know, they'll, they appreciate it. Glenn, anything more yeah. you'd like to add? Yeah. I mean, I just wanted to add that I kind of have the same perspective as Mike that, yeah, you just kind of have to appreciate the magic while it's happening. Cause it inevitably sort of ebbs and flows. And I just want, I don't want to just want to say, I appreciate that Mike's got this deep catalog and this, this sense of history and that he's still involved and still putting out records. It's just, it's, it's a great thing. It's a great resource for us as musicians um, that get involved with, with Slumberland. So just wanted to add that. No, well said Glenn. And I, and I, I think, I mean, I think there's other musicians on the label and even those that aren't who would, who would echo that. So um, really well said. Um, So with that, we're going to, uh, we're going to wrap up this episode today. Uh, I was so fortunate to have uh, Mike, from slumberland as the guest and glenn donaldson as a more than capable co-host today thanks guys i really appreciate it oh, thanks, thank Brian. you it's been really really good talking to you guys yeah no i and me too i mean this if and i've said this before about you know folks that that i really looked up to back when i was younger and, and i'll say it again here i mean 19 year old me is like jumping up and down right now <laughs> um, having the chance to talk to you. And I mean, I never, I, I, I've been sharing with some of my friends that I'm going to be talking and they, they can't believe it, but I'm like, you guys don't realize, I mean, Mike's just a normal guy, oh, and, he's, you know, it, it's, it, he's I mean, subnormal even. <laughs> yeah, right. And, um, and so, you know, I, I appreciate you guys taking the time and, and Glenn, you didn't have to do this either. And I kind of pitched you this crazy idea, but I think without you, um, this wouldn't have been the same kind of discussion that it was. So again, guys, thank you for taking the time. Um, we're going to close out this episode with um, one of, I would consider one of the classic tracks on the label, uh, a previous guest of mine that I truly enjoyed speaking to, uh, and that was Dusty from Rocket Ship. And we're going to close out this episode with Your New Boyfriend by Rocket Ship. And again, Glenn and Mike, thank you for joining me. Thank you. Thanks, Brian. So thank you again for joining me on this very special two-part episode of the Vinyl Detroit podcast where I spoke at length with Mike Schulman of Slumberland Records. As you could tell from my discussion with him, as well as my wonderful co-host, Glenn Donaldson of the Red Spinks and Purples, Mike's had a very, very large influence on the scene on many, many bands throughout the years, uh, some of which have gone on to, to frankly, uh, really, really shine in terms of major label interest or even uh, becoming a much larger part of of our of our music culture so um again thank you mike thank you glenn for joining me i hope you enjoyed this episode as always you can hear this and previous versions of the vinyl detroit podcast previous episodes that is uh on your favorite podcasting platform feel free to leave me a comment uh leave me a review love to hear it love to see those and i really really appreciate the the support so again Thank you for joining me. Hope you enjoyed this two-part series on Mike Schulman of Slumberland Records, and uh, talk to you soon. Thanks. Yeah.